I told my wife that, you know, we're doing this series, and I probably only had three good sermons in me, and so I needed Toby to take the fourth. And so he is here to talk about generosity. Can we pray for Toby? Lord, thank you so much for my spiritual father here. Thank you that he has just poured into my life and uh, the message that he has for our people today. I pray you would bless him. Let it be your words that come out of his mouth and not his. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Joe. Man, I love you guys. Really, I really do. I'm 60 years old, and if I've learned anything that I can say unequivocally about life, it's this. That no matter what you're attempting, a new habit, a new philosophy, a new way of living or operating, the hardest part is your first step. It's always hardest. The first step towards something new is the hardest. I don't care if you're talking about a fitness program. Uh, about three steps in, you're getting a vision of the Virgin Mary, and you're not Catholic, and you got that metal taste in the back of your mouth, and everything in your body wants to stop, right? But it's that first step that matters. Whether it's an eating plan where if it tastes good, you're spitting out of your mouth. Uh, whether it is like being married or having your first child. I mean, those first steps are the hardest ones, aren't they? I think sometimes we forget that when we read the Gospels, that Jesus is not simply talking to us. He is. The Spirit is talking to us. But Jesus knows he's about to leave. And he's got 12 guys that have to take some important first steps if they're going to be the leaders that he envisions them to be in launching the early church, right? I mean, you got fishermen and members of the local motorcycle gang and the IRS, all these dudes mixed together, uneducated, good old boys, and Jesus is trying to teach them first steps. One of many of these lessons comes in Mark's gospel, the sixth chapter. It's one of my favorite stories. It's affected my life in profound ways, and it's a story of the feeding of the 5,000. To understand the story, you have to understand the context in which this story happens, right? So Jesus has sent them out two by two. In your Bible, a little caption, it'll say the sending of the 12. Now, we don't know what he did, but, you know, we kind of know how Jesus was. He always had an underlying agenda. And so I'm sure he sent out not the best friends, but those who needed to learn how to love one another, right? And they go on this ministry trip. They go on a business trip. Any of you men or women ever go on business trips? Is it, I mean, how does it make you feel by the time you get home? You know? Uh, they come back, and not only are they physically tired, but think of the emotional toll. He says, go out into all the cities, heal the sick, cast out demons. If these people don't want you there, Shake the dust off your feet, go to the next town, which means there are going to be people who, won't, who don't want them there. Right? And they get back, and Jesus says, how'd it go? 
And they said, well, we're pretty good, but there were some demons we couldn't cast out. And Jesus said, well, those only come out by prayer. And those guys were like, oh, dude, we forgot to pray. Right? And so they're not like at the top of their game when they come back. Right? Y'all with me? And here's what the Bible says. It says in Mark, Mark's gospel that the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. How many of you, like you've gotten through difficult weeks because a vacation is coming? How many of you? Like just hanging on for vacay. Y'all not playing over here? or y'all, What's the deal? I can see you. Like I'm, I'm not blind here. How many of you ever like, hey, man, we're just working for the weekend kind of thing. I just need a vacay. Okay, let's put it this way. How many of you married couples with two or three ankle biters at the house? Like, we just got to get to date night. We're going to reconnect. How many of you like date night? We're just hanging on till date night. Y'all need to date some more over in this section. Like Mike and I, our day off, Mike is here, our day off, my day off was Friday. I was never taking Monday because who wants to ruin their day off feeling like I felt on Mondays? And so I took Fridays. And our kids are in school and they're doing what lots of your kids are doing, what my kids are going through right now. You know, you're a shuttle bus and you're, getting them to place to place. There's always something going on. And by the way, they don't appreciate it at all. They're not telling you how awesome you are. Uh, and it's just like it's, is that not any of y'all? Is that just my family? Y'all's kids were grateful. God bless you. Teach me a class. Uh, but Friday was our day, and we knew we could get through anything we had because we had Fridays. And if you understand that, you understand what the boat ride was like for the disciples. The boys are hungry. They're hungry. They haven't had anything to eat. And Jesus says, come on, man, let's go to the other side. And you can hear them on the boat. Man, this will be awesome. We get to go on a retreat. You know, go a little swimming in the Sea of Galilee. Maybe we'll have some good fish that we don't have to catch. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Everybody say it. Many things. Come on one more time. Many things. Jesus ain't doing a sermon. He's doing a series. He starts preaching a series. Let me ask you a question. They thought they were going to go take a vacation. They thought they were going to get some rest, and a business trip pops up. The babysitter has called and said, hey, I'm sick. I'm sorry. I can't come tonight. If you identify with those kind of feelings, the boss calls and says, hey, I know you put in for vacation six months ago, but this project has got to get done. I'm going to need you this next week then you know how these guys are feeling. Come on, man, they're human beings. And Jesus, God bless him, I'm sure what he's teaching is powerful, but he's going on and on and on. I mean, in Acts, Paul's going to preach so long that 
Eutychus falls out to wind and dies. He got that from Jesus. In fact, Paul went down to embrace him and bring the guy back to life, which is a message of preaching kills people and embracing brings people back to life. That's a whole other message. <coughs> By this time, it was late in the day. Other versions say the day was wearing down. The sun is going down. So this, his disciples came to him. <clears throat> How many of you guys ever saw Leave it to Beaver? I'm surprised there's that many old people in this room. <laughs> so, hey, everybody look at me. Like, Peter, he's Eddie Haskell, man. You start reading, when I see how Peter talks to Jesus, he's Eddie Haskell. He really is. So we don't know who came to Jesus. I think it was Eddie comes to Jesus and says to him, this is a remote place, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they go to the surrounding countrysides and villages and buy something for them to eat. Now, listen to me. Again, I think any critical thinker can read between the lines in this story and know the personality of these men and understand what's really happening. They're not hungry anymore. They're hangry. Okay, what happens, like, they're, like what happens to you when you are tired and haven't eaten in a long time? Does things get better or get worse? What, right? So the longer the day goes, the hungrier they're getting. They're not looking and going, this is awesome. We're going to be in the Bible someday. They're not thinking that. I don't know what's wrong with us. We churchify the Bible. Like put yourself in the story. Peter goes, and when you're hangry, by the way, and when you're in pain, you are a narcissist. True or not? Like, I love that woman right there. If you haven't met my wife, if you are new here over the last couple of years, I mean, like, she is the expression of you get one good woman to make one bad decision, you're set for the rest of your life. And that's my story. She's unbelievable, man. I love her. I, I'm, I'm not just saying it. When I have a shoulder issue that I'm trying to get fixed. And when I can't sleep because my shoulder hurts, I don't give a rip about her. I'm just tired and want my shoulder to quit hurting. I'm a narcissist. So are you. So when they say, hey, send these guys into town. and It's getting late. They need something to eat. They don't care about those people. They want them to get out of there so they can get something to eat. Right? And what does Jesus say to them? You give them something to eat. Great. They've watched him turn water into wine. They've watched him walk on the water. He could abracadabra and feed everybody in a second. Now, many of you know this. Many of you don't. When it says the feeding of the 5,000, that's 5,000 men. We ain't talking about 5,000 people, 5,000 families. Well, why didn't they count the women? I don't know. It's not my fault. But... They, most scholars would say it's around 30,000 people. Families were basically six people. Husband, wife, uh, four kids. That's what most families were in the day. 30,000 people. And they look at him and they tell him, that'd take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give them to eat? And he says, what do you got? 
How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And we just keep going. How long would it take to poll 30,000 people on who's got food? I mean, that's not a minute. That's not two minutes. I think we just run by it and think, like, what was happening to the disciples? They're discouraged. They have physical needs of their own. And Jesus just keeps putting it back on them. So they go poll 30,000 people. You got any food, any food, any food, any food? When they went and polled them, they said, well, we've got five loaves and two fish. And you got to think there's some relief, right? Like we got five loaves and two fish, so we can't do anything about it. And Jesus says, have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Again, how long would it take to get 30,000 people in groups of fifties and hundreds? You can, you can, like if you put yourself in the story, you can feel it rising up in them, can't you? Wondering why he's not doing anything about it. And then the Bible tells us, had them all sit down in these groups, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. So, again, I want you to understand what's happening. These are Jewish people. To this day, this is the Jewish ritual. There is bread kind of a flat thing, kind of a tortilla on steroids, a little thicker but big. And what you do is you take the bread, if you're the host, and you hold it up toward heaven. And there's a prayer that is prayed. Blessed are you, our heavenly Father, Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides bread for our, you know, there's, I don't know it all, but it's a prayer like this. If one bows, you say the prayer, and then you break it, and you hand it to your right and your left, and they pass it around the table. Everybody with me? This is what Jesus did. The whole thing is building to this moment because they don't have enough. And I'm talking to a lot of people who feel like they don't have enough. You don't have enough time. Man, when my kids grow up, can you, I'm going to, because I just, you just need more time. You don't have enough energy. God bless you, mamas and daddies, little ones. I keep my grandkids for about five minutes, and I, I need to go lay down. That's a young person game. I mean, you're tired. You're worn out. Most of you are here because it would be a, like a Red Sea miracle for you to get up and be here at nine. I mean, it's just, you're tired. I get it. That's these guys. And... You don't have enough time, you don't have enough energy, and you don't have enough resources. And the way you deal with that is you use your time, you use your energy, you use your resources, and you tell yourself, when I get more, I'm going to do fill in the blank. And Jesus is saying to you, Hey, if you got more time than you know what to do with and you have so much energy, you're the energizer bunny, 
and you can't figure out how to spend all your money, this isn't for you. But if you're me, if you're us, if you're people like me, he's talking to us. Because what he's going to do is he's going to bring down that bread. He's going to break it, and he's going to give half to one of the disciples. Let's just say he's going to give half to John. He's going to have to Peter, and he's going he's going to say, now go do it. And there you stand, hungry, discouraged, With your little half of a half. I'm going to tell you, I might disappoint some of you. I'm not holy as you think I am. If it was me in that moment, I'm going to go to the group. I'm going to ask everybody to bow. And as I'm praying, I'm getting my peace first. Okay, let's have a confession. How many of you are just like me? Don't tell the truth. You're in church. How many of you? From this side, how many of you are unholy like me? Come on, all the way around the room, right? And, and here's the thing, man. Like if, the, if Peter would have done that, if John would have done that, they would have felt better for a moment. <laughs> like they would have been carbo-loaded for a moment, but then the spike is coming. And because... They broke their half, which was not enough. They took the first step. God released a miracle. Is it possible that God wants to release a miracle in your life? I mean, is this a stretch? This isn't a stretch, man. This is just like how it works. And some of you are going, man, I don't, that's, that's not good economics. We're talking about the economics of heaven here today. And you go, oh, that's too hard. I get it. I understand. Trust me. My dad, uh, was a high school coach and a teacher and a principal for, he retired after 40 years. My mom was a fifth grade math teacher. She gave me my first B. I still have a wound about that. <laughs> 92.5 average on a 93 scale, and she would not round up. And then she was a librarian. She, she retired after 37 years in public schools. That's just a long way of saying we didn't have any money, right? We, just, we didn't have a lot of money, but it's okay. I live in a little town in South Texas. Nobody had money. We didn't know any different. But I do, as an adult, realize when we didn't have a lot back then, why my dad was such a great financial manager. There was a file that we finally threw out when we moved dad and mom over uh, to a senior living place, like that thick, wasn't it, baby? That thick of yellow legal pad from back when I was in high school where every week he would write out, here's how much we have coming in, here's how much we're going to spend, great manager and on top of every one of those legal sheets at the first of every month were four checks dated every Sunday of that month because dad believed that God got his first I believed that with all of my heart it's in me I was raised that way but my dad 
He's a, he was on a farm in West Texas. How many of you know that's like, those words don't go together. West Texas farm. And so my dad had a poverty spirit, like a scarcity mindset about life that kind of seeped into me. So you kind of did your duty. I get, but man, the rest of it, we don't have enough, and we're not going to have enough until you don't spend this, and we can't do this. It was a poverty mindset. So God, in his infinite wisdom, gave me a wife whose dad was a rancher who almost lost his whole ranch because it didn't rain one summer. Right? She got a poverty spirit. I got a poverty spirit. We, we come together. We believe God. We're going to give him his first. But I'm going to tell you something, man. Like, beyond that, we didn't have... We didn't have nothing. and So as a youth pastor, the, the people would come through, the missionaries' opportunities. We never even considered it because we didn't have enough. I mean, I'm getting the change out of my ashtray to go to Taco Bell to feed my kids on Sunday for lunch if we were before the second pay period. Not many, that's how we were, like some of you are living. I understand that. And then one day a missionary came to our church. I know this may shock you, but I cried a little. <laughs> and I looked at her and said, we're going to write a check for 50 bucks. First time I'd ever done it. First time I'd ever taken my half, broken it. 78 dollars and 17 cents was a rebate check that came in two days later. I called one of my elders and said, dude, I just, I gave for the first time. I broke, what, what, I gave something I didn't have, it, and got, we got $78.17, and I thought it was like a miracle, and he thought that was kind of silly. Like $78, like to me, it was like $78,000. It wasn't about the money. It was about God because I had a scarcity, poverty spirit. I'm going to show you that my shovel is bigger than yours. And it didn't happen every time that we broke our little cookie. Because sometimes that's, I, I needed something better than money. I, you don't give to get. That's not love. Right? So I don't give so that God will give me something, but I expect him to do something because the Bible says he will. So, baby, I didn't tell you this. I'm sorry. Don't do this, Josiah. Like, talk to Alex first. But, like, I just felt like I was praying. Like, the Lord was like, you need to, for the first time, like, tell these kind of personal stories. It's hard for me. I'll tell you all the ways I struggled. But talking about things I've learned, how God's worked, it's been hard for me. And so we left our role as lead pastor here. Uh, Two plus years ago, we weren't really sure what we were going to do other than I was going to do everything I could to help Josiah be successful, whatever that meant, however he needed to be. And we launched out, some of you don't know, we launched out in this little ministry called Gobi Ministries, helping parents connect to God's power, help their kids connect to God's power with their mental health struggles. And I told Micah, I don't know if anybody's going to want us to come. I mean, you build into people's lives for 20 years, like, like we had. Here, you will receive, but I, I don't even know any of these people. 
And we had gone to our first little event, and we were driving home, and I felt like the Lord told me. You add value to people who can't afford value and expect nothing in return, I'll blow you away. And so, like, not many people know this, but we committed that day, and now we're in our second year of doing it, that we will do 12 events a year for churches, 250 or less, and we're going to pay for all of it. We'll buy the books. We'll buy the plane tickets. We'll pay for the targeted marketing in their community so people can come. We'll buy all of our own food. We'll do it. We're going to pay for it. And uh, we had some friends that heard about what we're doing, some very close friends, and they said, we're going to help you. And by God's grace, we'll get to do 12 this year of those kind of events. We started the year with one of those because it reminds me of why we started. And we made a commitment that we were going to do that in every church that we went to. We were going to put a check in the plate. Something. Like, we were going to bless these people. We're not going to say anything about it. We're just going to write the check and put it in the bucket in the back or however they did it. And, and I'm telling you, like, two and a half years later, we don't, there's no spots on our schedule. Right? Like, it's, we're full. We tell people no. And people think it's because, oh, well, how you're communicating or, the you know, the, I'm telling you, it's because we made that commitment. We don't have, like, nobody's, there hasn't been an armored truck that dropped a bunch of money in, my, in our front yard. Like, Gobi doesn't have a ton of money. But let me tell you what does happen. We sit down with pastors that are alone. I mean, they're good young guys. But they're in little bitty cities, and their wives are like, you know how mean people can be in a little 200-member church of the pastor's wife? And Micah is doing stuff for those women. I've never seen her get to do this. And I get to encourage those guys. And We were in one of those events, the first one of the year. And some mama walks up to Micah back at the book table pulls out a wad of money and wants to hand it to him. I says, you don't know, this is, we've got this all taken care of. She said, no, I'm a single mom. My husband left a long time ago. And uh, I just want, I want to be a part of what you guys are doing. Michael, it's $27. It was everything she had. And I, like, we got in the car and cried. And we get to have a front row seat to that kind of stuff that people will never meet again. And I think about the widow's might and about how God doesn't care about zeros and decimal points. The only person in the Bible he commended for giving was this lady who dropped two little coins in there. So it started somewhere, right? Somewhere along the line, she had broken her little cookie, her cracker, her bread, and God had blessed her. And so she had no problem. You threw it in. Like you, some of you, like, look, I have no stick in this game. I don't even have an email here for y'all to get mad at me. I, I love you. I want what's best for you. 
I want you to experience the joy that is beyond money. And sometimes it's money. And you will never do it if you keep turning and eating your peace. So I'm asking you, I'm challenging you to do it today. Today, just something. Because you can't do everything, don't do nothing. Do something. And watch God meet you. Whether it's putting in a plate here, whether it's blessing that ministry, God bless you, Joe. How many pastors in America would stand on their stage and go, hey, man, if you want to go help those people? What, or whether it's somebody you run into at the grocery store, I don't care. Find a place to break what you have that's not enough in half. Why are you always talking about money? Why can't we talk about time or energy or giftedness? Because Jesus talked about it more than he talked about heaven, hell, or baptism. If he's going to start with it, shouldn't we start with it? But I want you to hear me, man. I want something for you, not from you. I want your eyes to get, I want you to get teary-eyed because you can't believe what God lets you see and be a part of. And people are going to give you all kinds of credit, and it's not going to be about you at all. It's going to be because he opens doors that only he can open. I believe this so deeply in my heart. And I believe we are so tied to materialism in this nation and consumerism. And I think we're supposed to be the ones that break it off of ourselves and live the blessing that God has for us. Don't you? Who's with me, man? I mean, seriously, who's with me? Can I pray for you? I'm, I don't know why I'm so emotional. I just want so badly. I know what it's like to get locked up. I lived it. It's, it's not good. This is better. Father, thank you so much that you own it all. That you would even give us some of it to enjoy. I'm really grateful for. I'm grateful this isn't a place... It's never been a place where we tried to twist people's arms or manipulate people. Just try to teach the truth about the kind of life that you are calling us to. And I know giving is pleasing to you. And I know it is obedience. I think it ought to be an adventure too. And uh, so lead us, Father, even today just to take a step towards you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks, man.